Uh, our passage today is out of 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Desires everyone to be saved. Isn't that cool? Our God desires everyone to be saved, no matter who they are. He wants them to, to discover who he is and come into a full knowledge of that saving power that comes through Christ. And I like the word thanksgiving because that, that describes, as part of all of our lives, is this incredible gift that we have been giving, given. And the word itself challenges us to be as Christ-like as we can, to be grateful, to live into that thanksgiving that God has provided for us, to be grateful for what we have, but not just to leave it there, to be willing to give to others and to be in, impactful in the lives of others. As we heard earlier today, all, all of these and the many in our lives that you were thinking about as these names were read and as the stories were told and, and you undoubtedly had people pop in your head, oh yeah, I remember, I remember. And, and those folks invested in our lives. And because of that, we're not the same. We're not the same because of that investment. And, and that's how we find our true significance in the long term is that when we invest in the lives of others, we, we choose to impact those lives for God and for Christ. I went on a mission trip. I talked about this before. I want to talk about a little aspect of it a little differently this time. I went to a couple of times to Nicaragua. And on this particular trip, whenever you go, uh, how many folks have been on an international mission trip? So, we, so a few have. Um, when you go, you, you kind of expect that you're going to be working with the poor and you're going to attempt to make a difference in, th in their life to help them get back on, on their feet. This trip that we went th was through Amigos for Christ, um, and they'd built several communities in Chinandega, Nicaragua. There was a, a hurricane Mitch that had destroyed and devastated the country. So we went with a couple of tasks on hand. We were going to do some uh, vacation Bible school with the kids who were there. We were going to do some uh, construction um, as well. Uh, we had a medical team that was going uh, into the community to, to help with some of the medical issues. We had a doctor and a nurse and a couple others uh, who were kept very, very busy. Uh, my job, I was one of the laborers. I was, I was one of those who was gifted with the idea or with, with the task of helping build a foundation for what would eventually be a health center. Uh, yeah, you have to understand something about labor and Nicaragua because it's a little different than it's here. It's not like uh, here where if I was going to build, I call in a backhoe and a, and a <laughs> you know, a, a bulldozer and, a, you know, a grader and, and get, get a whacker packer and, and use that to, you, you never heard of a whacker packer? Whack, no, whacker packer. Think jackhammer with a plate on the bottom of it. That, that's, that's. But what it does is it compacts the, the ground, you know, and it does it for you, kind of. I mean, you kind of leave at the end of the day doing a little bit of those shakes, but, but, but it does the job. That's not how it was there. Um, in Nicaragua, everything that we did was done by hand. So if we needed to load the truck with, with the volcanic dirt to get it to the site to fill in for the foundation, guess what we had to do? We had shovels of volcanic <laughs> dirt into the back of the truck. And it was a, f a flatbed that was about this high. 
So, and then what, when we got there, of course, then we just had to shovel it all off. And, and it had rocks in it, right? So we had to sift it. So we did that with sifters with screen. And you'd have two people in order to get the, some of the bigger rocks out. And, and my job, what I had was, uh, I, I, was I had the, the, the tamper, right? So I had a log like this. And there's another littler log in the middle of it. And my job was to. That was the whacker packer. That was that was <laughs> that was dry, making sure they getting the foundation set. It's a little bit different in areas where they don't use the kind of or don't have the kind of machinery that that we have. We made cement and wheelbarrows. You, you kind of get the picture. There's a lot of manual labor going on. Uh, the thing about it, though, is we work side by side with Nicaraguans. And they had literally chosen to move out of that area's dump in order to build this community uh, when John Bland and Migos came through. And what we found with those folks was that, for the most part, there was one, there was one lady who was not going to be happy about anything ever. That's, you know, there's got to be one of them in every community, right, where, you know, you, 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 ha you have the, the, the aunt or the grandma you're, that you were talking about, Chris. Yeah, who's, who's just a blessing, and then you've got the, the curmudgeon. And so... <laughs> So there is the so there was one curmudgeon, but for the most part, those folks were content. They didn't know they didn't have stuff. They didn't have PlayStation, Xbox, no video games, none of that stuff. They had a ball and a bat, and they played baseball in the field. There was a river, and so they would go down to the river and splash and play, and, and they just had a good time. They didn't need all of that stuff. So as usual, uh, one of the things that happens for me on international trips is that when, in particular, it can happen anywhere, but it's a perspective shift. Because I go thinking that I need all this stuff. And I come back going, I really don't. I really don't need all that stuff. That, that it's kind of up to me what I do with what I have been given in this life. And that trip showed that how much I had to be thankful for. They managed to find gratitude, and they had very little. But they found gratitude in their life. Philippians 4 is a great passage. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want, I can do all these, this through him who gives me strength. See, Paul is on to a very powerful idea here. Contentment is a choice. Contentment is something that we choose. We choose that it. it's not something that has to be dictated to us by others or by our circumstances. If we find ourselves discontent, then it's up to us to either accept it or to make new choices and to, or remove ourselves from situations. I come out of abuse, right? You guys know that. So, so I was uh, victimized, but I'm not a victim, and I will never be a victim. When I was a kid, I didn't have any say-so in some of the things that happened to me, and I was victimized. But I am not a victim, and I will not live in that victimhood. And that's my choice. Now, it takes a lot of work to get to that place. It doesn't just, hey. But I discovered that. I had that choice through therapy and through some other things. 
See, we get to choose. God gave us that ability. We've talked about it. God gave us free will, and it's up to us to use that free will to choose wisely. And in our lives, we've got a lot of stuff going on that we have to examine and look at. What do I need to keep? What do I not? Now, at times, I've actually asked God to take my free will away, you know, because I get tired of, uh, you know, I just want, <laughs> want it to be easy, I think. And his answer is the same. He always says, no. No, I'm not going to do that. And that requires me to look a little deeper. And, and I think what, for me anyway, what, what I'm actually asking is, Lord, I don't want to make any mistakes anymore. I'm tired of making mistakes, so take away my free will so that I can align with your will. And he wants me to align with his will and to follow him, but he doesn't want me to, to not make any mistakes along the way. Answer this question. Do, do you learn more from your mistakes or from your successes, do you think? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? And so if God were to take away from me the ability to make those mistakes and to make some <laughs> choices that they don't want me to make bad choices, but uh, I will because I'm human. And, but when I do, he, I have that opportunity to grow from that. And he gives us that opportunity throughout our lives. He knows uh, that to take away choice is to take away growth, to take away the op opportunity to grow. We don't have to grow. We can stay stuck in stuff. The curmudgeon will stay stuck in her, you know, it's never going to be good no matter what. We can do that. We can live in that place. Or we can, we can get out of that and surround ourselves with people who can help us with that. See, growth is painful, but it's important. Growth is painful, but it's important to us to be pruned. You guys are gard gardeners in here. You, ha you prune the bush. Why? To grow better so that, it, so that it bears more fruit. You have to take care of the, you can't just let it grow wild. You could let it grow wild, right? But it won't, won't be as fruitful. It won't, it won't be as healthy, any of that. So it has to be pruned, and we are just like that. And God provides that for us. He provides pruning for us along the way. So we continue to make good choices, and we continue to make poor choices. We get things right, we get things wrong, and we will continue to grow. It's when we don't know or we've reached the end of our understanding that we finally reach the point where we come up with enough humility to say, okay, God, help. I learned that, that took a long time for me to learn. Okay, God, I give up this illusion of control that I like to walk around that I can control everything. <laughs> I can't. I can control my next choice. But the outcome is not mine. The outcome is not up to me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses and insults and distresses and persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, in our weakness, he shines through that. He gives us the strength. We find strength that we don't have in order to move to a new place because it's not our strength. We can only go so far. God can go all the way. And when, we, when we're willing to go to those places where it's uncomfortable and we don't think that we can and we don't think we can make it, God will pick us up. You know, I like the, the picture that, that he's sitting on a rock up there. I'm, I'm struggling along. <laughs> I reach the end of my rope and I come around the corner and there's God on the rock going, well, you ready for me to take over yet? You know, because he is. He's waiting on us.
to turn to him and to rely on him to help us to get through all those things in our life. And I don't know if, if this is one of those lear- learning periods uh, in, your, in, your, in your life or if it's a place of joy and amazement. Those are, those are all part of the journey, right? We're going to be up and we're going to be down and we're going to be sideways. All of that is living this thing called life. And we're going to be in the midst of all that. And I don't know where you are, but I do know that we can choose gratitude in the midst of all of it. I know for me, now that I've gotten a little bit further along, I can look back and I can see those times in my life that I really hated and were really difficult for me have become powerful things in my current ministry, in my current life. And I think that happens for us if we're willing to let God use it. And that's part of my recovery story. That's part of, part of what God has done with, with what I couldn't do. And he's picked up the ball and he's moved that forward. But it's this, uh, recovery is mine. But you've got yours and your story is important. And that story needs to be told and shared with others because people need that. And you might just be the one that God wants to use to provide strength to somebody who struggles. It might just be you got to be willing to let him do it. Gratitude's a choice that we make. It's a choice we make for ourselves. But it's a choice that will impact others. I came across this story some time ago. It's about two men who were in a hospital room. They were both seriously ill. And one man was allowed to sit in his bed for an hour each day uh, to help drain the fluid from his lungs. His bed was next to the room's only window. The other one was bedridden, and he had to spend his whole all of his time on the bed. And they talked for hours on end, and they talked about their wives and their families and their careers and their homes and their involvement in the military service, where they'd been on vacation. But every afternoon, when the man in the bed would, by the window would sit up, he'd, he would pass the time by describing to his roommate all that he could see outside the window. And the man in the, in the bed who couldn't get up, he began to live for those one-hour periods those one-hour periods where his world would be broadened and made alive by what was going on outside of that window. (coughs) The window overlooked a park with a lovely lake and ducks and swans played in the water while children sailed their model boats. Young lovers walked arm in arm amidst the flowers of every color and every kind. It was a fine view of the city skyline. It was beautiful scenery. As the man would, by the window, described all that in detail, the man on the other side of the room would close his eyes and imagine seeing that picturesque picture that was being painted for him. One warm afternoon, the man by the window described a parade that was passing by, and, and, and although the other man couldn't hear the band, he could hear the band, right? They could hear him in, in his mind's eye. And this went on for days and weeks. And then one morning... The day nurse arrived to bring water for the baths, only to find that the man had passed away, the one by the window. And they took his body away, and as soon as the time seemed appropriate, the other man asked if he could be moved next to the window so that he could see all that that had been described to him. And slowly he propped himself up on his elbow to take his first look at the real world outside that window. And he strained to slowly turn, and he looked out that window, and It faced a blank wall. The man asked the nurse what would have compelled his deceased roommate who had described all those wonderful things outside the window, and the nurse said that the man was blind and couldn't even see the wall. She said, perhaps 
he was grateful to have these moments to share with someone. See, gratitude can be a catalyst to, to change in lives beyond our own, whether it's in Houston or Flowery Branch or Nicaragua or Winder or Jefferson or Monroe or Loganville or anywhere else or Flowery Branch, whether in a church or in a hospital. Find the place of gratitude because there is much to be grateful for in our life. And that will depend on where our focus is to how easy that's going to be to find those grateful places. Paul knew this from way back, and he gave us a passage that points us the right direction. It's to the church at Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We can go to God. We get to go to God. And what happens is powerful. The peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is right and true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When you find yourself being drawn into the negativity, Go to this passage in Philippians 4 and go, okay, what is right and true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable in my life? What is praiseworthy in my life? And, and refocus to those things. And then that gratitude will come with you. We're entering into a season of gratitude, a season of thanksgiving, the advent of our Savior. And I pray that this would be a different kind of Christmas for us maybe than we've experienced in the, in the past as we look more at Jesus than about us. Because the focus on the cross is important. God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth.